Welcome to the Data Strategy Show. My name's Samir Sharma and I'll be your host. The show will look at demystifying data strategies and why it's important for your business today, tomorrow, and for the future. My first guest is Matt Sinikowski, who's been a strategist within the sports, entertainment, and media industry for the past decade. We hope you enjoy the show and I look forward to welcome you again. Thanks. Welcome, Matt. Um, how are you doing? Sir, I'm doing great. Thanks okay. for having me. Thanks for coming on the show today. Um, sure. Matt, uh, what I really like to do and to start off with is just um, g give us a, a really 30,000 foot view of who you are. Um, Matt Snikowski, I've been in the uh, sports and media business for about the past 10, 10 12 years. Um, data strategy has been, and I'm super happy to be doing the show, but data strategy has been a very big part of what I've done. Um, and as we're going to focus on in this podcast, I've really been an extension or an arm or a, a embedded right within the sales teams mm -hmm. to um, really looking at how we use data to either like structure deals better, how we measure our KPIs and keep, uh, you know, executive reporting and, and the, uh, you know, like the healthcare, the checkup of everything that our business is doing, pacing and seasonality. Um, to really drive go-to-market strategies and being the most efficient with what we're already doing and then using external data of what's going on in the landscape of biz dev and, and, and competition and, um, you know, changing landscapes and products and services that you can kind of marry to your internal data and then how do we use that to um, optimize everything. So I've worked in that kind of internal consulting role for about the past 10 years. I really love the sexiness of driving sales, mm -hmm. driving the big deals, mm -hmm. um, being tied to the bottom line versus kind of the back end stuff, which I'm sure there's a lot of that I rely on. And a lot of your followers are, you know, the coders, the engineers, the data lake um, structures, where I want to be a super user of all that, have it at my fingertips, translate it and help tell the story of driving sales. Yeah. So that's where I kind of made my my hay the past 10 years, both in the live sports venue of actual games going on in arenas at Madison Square Garden and the Boston Bruins, and then transitioning to the media side at Fox Sports of uh, bringing those same events to you in your on your TV or sure. now your phone or wherever it may be. Um, so kind of got that 360 view of the sports and entertainment mm. world and mm. all the different ways you can kind of take it in mm. and um, all the ways you can monetize it. So yeah. I know we'll get into stuff with like analytics during the, with the marketing folks. I haven't like lived in that world of targeting demographics, sure. but again, sure. it's always how do you leverage those insights provided to you from a consumer's insight group yeah. to, uh, to, you know, make sense of it put it into a story, arm the sales team with weapons when they go out to make these deals to the market and then make the most of it. So yeah. there's kind of the 30,000 foot view. Great. And, and Great. again, thanks for having me. It's no. super, inspi it's super inspiring, man. The first <laughs> podcast. Uh, oh, you know, I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, look, this is super inspiring because yeah. me and uh, my sister have been talking about, she's in physical therapy, doing our own podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah short form videos on sure. you know, just like taking care. Of, I have a former health and wellness background of, you know, um, there's 30 million podcasts out there. So oh, it's yeah. like, everyone's doing it. There's not a reason not to do mm -hmm. it. People will mm -hmm. have willing followers. It doesn't have to be the Joe Rogan podcast, no, which is super no, popular here in the States. 
but a marketing arm and driving awareness like this is awesome man so like yeah. i'm glad that you thought of me to be well, the first guest here thank you for accepting and, I, and i'm delighted to have yeah, you yeah. on it's 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 been wonderful but listen you picked up yeah. on so many things across that yeah. piece across your your, yeah, your, yeah. your your lifetime of of being in the sports and media industry and i think you yeah. know you, you talk about sales um, and, and specifically arming them with weapons. But let me ask you yeah. first, you know, uh, and analytics aside and, you know, data, but what are the things that have challenged you in that process of getting into the mind of a sales team and understanding what data weapons they need? What is it that drives them? Um, and, yeah. and, and, you know, from my experience, and I ask that question because I've often come up against teams that are quite skeptical around data. Um, so yeah. for me, what, what, what challenges have you had and how have you overcome that? What have you, what strategies have you put in place to, to help them drive the understanding, the, yeah. the take on onboarding of data and then the usage of that to drive that growth as you talked about earlier? Yeah. I mean, the, the challenge is it's like, again, you have all this data in your organization. And I'm assuming at this point in 2020, you have some f level of data. Maybe you're not organizing yeah. it well. Maybe it's in several different places. Maybe it, the data is in spreadsheets, PowerPoints. Like it could be that manual. I don't know, but there's insights and trends that when I sit down with the salesperson, I, the first thing I do is I I flip I flip it onto them. I become the salesperson. I become a needs analysis guy. Mm -hmm. like, what are your challenges? I understand that certain words have to come out of your mouth and the client has to hear those to get a deal across yeah, the table. Yeah. And really the only thing you're pushing is product price and the structure of a deal and the terms. So what assets get those deals over, over the line? Mm -hmm. And then what, what data points are you, are we looking at internally those KPIs I kind of mentioned that we're always reporting sure. against. Yeah. So you're measured against a set of KPIs there's an underlying set of KPIs under that. So if we're looking at the average price we need to hit to achieve our sales and financial goals, well, there's a way to get there where if you're in a, a market B2B where you're negotiating deals, somewhere you get over and under that, that average threshold. Mm -hmm. um, how do you like, how are you structuring deals? How are you pri prioritizing the prospects that you're looking at your client base? Like, where are you, where are you tracking all that? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so when I sit down with the sales, like, I'll start with the leader, but then I go right to the, the, the front lines and saying, well, how, like, where are you pulling that? Like, yeah. how are you deciding what client to go to when? Yeah. And hopefully, you know, again, you have all your systems. Sometimes it's just the pen and the paper, man. Like I'm just taking, I'm just taking notes of like, yeah. all right. And I'm catching trends on how that rep goes to the market, that rep goes to the market, how they're looking. And hopefully you catch a little bit of similarity of mm -hmm. like, all mm -hmm. right, you know what? Sometimes they just need the list of their prospects and the historical spend that they've had with us as a company and see where the dips in our portfolio, where the growth in our portfolio mm -hmm. has been. Mm -hmm. And if you can pull that across different sales team, where I've worked with national sales teams in four different cities, um, the, the, there's going to be a standardized process you can get of giving that information to them so they can look at their own business because that's what they are. They're the CEO of their own business. Yeah. Yeah. How can I, can I, how can I prioritize everyone I do business with and just, and then work with me, I'll find out little inconsistencies between the, what you consider a good client or a bad client or somebody that spends a lot or doesn't. 
there still might be little inefficiencies of, yeah, maybe they are one of our best spenders, but they don't participate in this part of our portfolio, which right. is one of our newer products. Mm -hmm. And why haven't, have you pitched that to them? And, you know, you start asking that question to get open dialogue, but you bring it to life with, and it's not complicated analytics. It's just mm -hmm. like simple reporting sometimes where you're yeah. putting that stuff in a scalable fashion, one in front of the front lines, and then rolling that up to the executives to say, all right, here's the scale of all of our customers. And do I see common inefficiencies mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. where our clients are spending on our portfolio? And is, is, does that, does that reflect on our sales team of how they're yep. going to the market? Or does that yep. reflect on the actual supply and demand of what we're offering to the market? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I kind of start there with that needs analysis and just really simplifying the business into those key metrics. And again, it can be average price, it can be volume of spend, it can be how long they've been a client with us. Mm -hmm. But to scale it across the different sales departments, again, if you have a big organization like Fox Sports selling nationally, yeah. um, that becomes a very simple way to get people just buying into kind of things they already know, but putting it right at their fingertips. Mm -hmm. So I found that to be like a good first step of just kind of providing them with quick tools of here's your business and here's how the company looks at it. And then so we can start structuring our deals to meet our internal demands of hitting sales goals and forecast. But um, also take into account externally, everything you told me, the challenges of um, targeting certain clients or certain sure. categories. Yeah. So you, that, I think that's always been a good starting point. It's not hard. Um, no. Gathering all that information can be right, even though it's simple information. So you just got to, you know, then our end, I'll, I'd work with guys like you or backend engineers of where does that information live? Is it easy mm -hmm. to pull? Mm -hmm. But that's where I start with the sales team, just okay. really trying to be an ally to them. Sure. Yeah. So, so you, you, you're absolutely starting from that that strategic perspective at the beginning. And then you're yeah, drilling down to, so, so, so what, how do you translate the, 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 the person at the top? And, and, you know, you talk about KPIs and KPIs under KPIs. Um, so I, yeah, I'm always yeah. worried that we, we, we overload KPIs onto, um, you know, sales teams or any other kind of team. And then, for sure, you know, for sure. We, we, we get into a position where suddenly yep. we're, we're all floating under this mire of KPIs and nobody can really, See what's paralysis by analysis, that. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how yeah. do you how do you get that fine balance from from speaking to the senior exec to then cascading that down to those you know the guys who are on the in the field going out making sure they can do those sales, understanding yeah. the client, understanding what what you've done with them before, uh, you know. Yeah. And you talked about you know the the you know they only buy this product, but how do we get to buy this product? How do you yeah, start sure. to mold that? when maybe you're using your internal data, but there's a yeah. whole ecosystem of other data points or triggers that might be yeah. external to the organization. How yeah. do you build that in? Because I can see you're starting with low hanging fruit. You know, uh, and that's, yeah. that's the way to start, absolutely, because you, yeah. wanna, you want that yeah. insight and that value piece to be delivered to those guys. Um, yep. But from then, you know, sometimes people say, well, so what, I've got this data, what do I do with it? So how do you get, that yeah, drive and 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 yeah. you know that that sustainability in what you're doing. Yeah, that's funny because like that that's is the I've had this talk with our sales and you have it over and over again mm. uh, with them where you know my my piece with the data I've never been the the innovator. It's just like right. hey, let's tweak what we're already doing. We're just missing little 
we're missing 5% more revenue than we could get here. Just, yep. by, just by tweaking what we're already doing. Nothing mm -hmm. has to change besides you have to offer something else to the client at okay. the table and then we negotiate off that. Yep. But for, in, for instance, I'll give a specific example um, and I hope not to go too deep in the weeds, but like, <laughs> but for, like for the NFL, which is a, with the crown jewel product that yeah. I worked at with Fox yeah. Sports, in-game inventory, the commercials that you air with in-game are very finite, but they fluctuate from game to game. And obviously, if you have um, big brand markets like the Dallas Cowboys and the Green mm -hmm. Bay Packers, those mm -hmm. games are going to attract more viewers. Therefore, more brands want to be in them. Sure. So we have, you, know, you have your slate of games over the year. They sell out at a high percentage, but they don't 100% sell out. Mm -hmm. So those, the last few um the last few commercials and even a high demand game, they're very expensive. You know, the content business is becoming very fragmented and digitized and people can spend their money really efficiently. So selling out those last few units in an NFL game can be challenging. So what you see here is all right, we have an average price we have to hit mm -hmm. um, overall for these games. And we have a sell through percentage of X. I, nothing more than almost a, uh, a, a simple yield analysis that I did granularly by spot. So if mm -hmm. we're airing up to 70, 75 commercials in a game, you know what? I, I determined like we always sell up the first 40. Right. Always. Okay. We always. Yeah. Okay. So then the 41st unit for, to, through the 50th unit, we sell those out about 80% of the time. So pretty okay. good. Yeah. Once we start getting to the last few, you see sometimes even for high demand games, we're only going to sell them out. Five, ten percent of the time. Okay. So, what do you? So now we know that we yeah. know that. Yeah. So now most of these commercials, everything's changing in the pandemic. By the way, like mm -hmm. usually everything for the NFL season is being bought right now. Right. In the upfronts, the yeah. media upfronts, the scatter market, which is week by week, where advertisers have leftover dollars and maybe they want to target a few specific games depending mm -hmm. on the matchups. That all happens in the fall. So you're chasing that twenty percent or those last few units. Okay. So, so, but we see that in those last few units, they're not selling out, right? And mm -hmm. so we're 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 throwing those and we're making them good to other advertisers, kind of giving them added value in those games. Well, if I know that we're only selling it out ten percent of the time, well, why not during the upfront? It's just all I'm doing right now is a big elaborate buy one get one free almost. It's like, hey, for committing to something at x percent year over year increase of what we've been doing business at pricing i'm not going to throw this into your deal i'll supplement it with giving you you'll pay for it but i can now i know that pricing threshold point for those last few units so i can right. give those i can make the case internally to the executives mm -hmm. a five hundred thousand dollar commercial for a big time nfl game only sells out 10 percent of the time in that last unit yes Yes. So the, the expected yield on that is 10%. Oh, it's 50,000 bucks. Mm -hmm. I could sell that for $55,000 and I could make the case yeah. internally. We're making money. Yeah. yeah. Salespeople love that. Right. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. they can go to the client. Mm -hmm. Now I wouldn't say $50,000. No, but you'd say, yeah, we, yeah. we could choose X yeah. and make it super attractive to yeah. the brands. Yeah. And now that's where I just really got into the weeds right there from, but I did all that work. I didn't but, put that on the sales team. No, you know what it, I, mean? yeah, I, I know what you mean. So you went out and you looked for those insights. You you studied that. You applied yeah. the data. It took it's me three years to come up with that. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Amazing. You had to understand through. the trends and you had to yeah. understand how that works. So right. it's interesting because 
you know, you're the you're the guy who's 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 there to sit with the sales guys, understand mm. what they're doing. But equally, you're supposed to know the underlying data. You're supposed to understand the trends. But you're supposed to be yeah. looking for value where you can say, "Hey, guys, I've just come up, you know, with this idea." Yeah. Can yeah. we test it? Can we hypothesize around it? Yes. Can yeah. we start to, to really yeah. uncover some insights here? And it's interesting because does it take somebody like you to do that? Or does it, you know, it, and, and that's... I think that's, so. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I hope I, so, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I think that's the case. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, those specific insights that are hugely valuable to the executives could never be done right. without looking at that data and understanding... Correct those trends Correct. over time. Yeah. So the investment that you've made, even if it is over three years, could right. the, 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 the payback for, for, for the company for sure. would be huge. And, and yeah, and for the record, like yeah. during those, during those three years, you're still looking at, you're still looking at that mass market oh, of yeah. average, average yeah. price and sell through yes, and say, all right, you know what we got, yeah. we got to push these yeah. products onto our, our, our client base. Mm -hmm. Again, you don't want to force anything they don't want, but it's like, hey, like at least put it on the in the offering table, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then you know you start getting granular when you're looking at. Again, I'm working with finite inventory in the digital world. You can just keep creating content; you don't run out of inventory. Yeah. So in yeah. that instance, the it might say, hey, just put out as much content as you can because it doesn't matter if it's on if it's on your YouTube channel. You just keep putting on YouTube videos. Eventually, something will hit, and mm -hmm. there's unlimited uh, eyeballs. Yeah. In game, in game yeah. NFL, it's, these it's, live events that command so much attention. Yeah. It's yeah. premium inventory. It is. And yeah. it's finite and it's perishable. Yeah. So, looking for those little insights just on simple yield analysis. Mm. Um, mm. The 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 you know we're chasing the NFL markets four billion dollars in aggregate yeah. spend across all yeah. the networks. Yeah. So these salespeople they have. They have to maintain these relationships and keep just and pushing deals. And you know, if you work for Fox Sports, you have a cable network in FS1, mm -hmm. you have NASCAR, you have the World Series, you have all these competing priorities. Where when's the salesperson going to look at the 70th yeah. unit in yes. an NFL game? They're not going to do it. <laughs> and and hopefully our team has set up that strategy board early on so that when when the season's going. I often feel myself like almost disconnected. That's when I feel the most disconnected because the wheels are in motion. Deals are coming in. The market's going to do what it does. Mm -hmm. So if you mm -hmm. can find those insights yeah. right yeah. as they're going on and prepare for the next business cycle, mm. um, you're always forward looking. Yeah. That's yeah. I think you need a team with the, with an eyeballs on that data set. Yeah. And, and, and I, th yeah, I, I think you're right. And the point for me is that it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a huge, big, you know, data science focused team, because from where I'm sitting, you, you you've you've made made it quite clear that you've used a certain set of data to understand the principles behind um, spend throughout yeah. a period of a game. Um, right. And you know, uh, I, I don't know enough about the American sports to, to talk right, right. about it in detail. Yeah, yeah. But the segments that you're selling in, and within yeah. those, you know, and the products that you're selling, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, we did. Hey, we did things like that in the World Cup too. We yeah. hosted the Men's and Women's World Cup. Right. And of course, you did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, there was a huge demand for the knockout rounds mm -hmm. and the World Cup final championship yeah. match. Mm -hmm. um, and where our sales leader was saying, "All right, to get into the championship match, you have to have a spend across all of our games in the group rounds, right. the early knockout stages." Yeah. And I said, "Okay, but you're now you're." 
what if somebody just wants a championship game? What if we just charge the super high premium? We limited the amount of units that we could sell in just a championship match because maybe they don't have the budget for a full mm -hmm. tournament presence. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what you do is you create a little urgency too. Yeah. It's like game theory. I'm big on game theory and right. testing these ideas. Yep. So it's like, yep. all right, if we're going to air 40 commercials in the championship World Cup match, take, take five to 10 of them, charge a super high premium. If you just want that game, limit it to those amount of units, or you can buy a full tournament presence and get super high value in the championship game. Mm -hmm. tomato tomato yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but bring yeah. that to the market and yeah. now you're servicing two different customer bases where if you you know our sales leader said i want them to have a full tournament presence they might not want that sure. and so you're not bringing value to the client you're forcing your hand now you're in a, if you're in a high demand position sometimes you can yeah. do that yeah um but you know i always show them there's more than one way to get home to your financial goals and there's more than one way to provide value to the clients mm -hmm. that you have because mm -hmm. not all of them want to buy the same way Sure. So sure. little instances like that. Yeah. Um, and it's understanding that process. It's understanding that purchasing habits. Yeah. And but you know, you have um, quite a unique insight into that um, industry. But equally, I don't know if that industry has things like a chief data officer, or you know, it sounds like you would be classed as that individual because you are working at a very yeah. strategic level, and yeah. and then. No you know, no, driving that, down so, to the teams to, to create yeah. those, those data products and so on yeah. to understand, you know, how you yeah, can leverage the, them to sell this, you know, sell the products. The good, the good part about the media business is like, there's so much data. Mm. They, there is a lot of data governance yeah. and security. It's a commodity yeah. business. We're competing with NBC, CBS, yeah. ESPN yeah. Um, when I was there at Fox Sports. So, you know, the data is super uh, protective. It's publicly traded companies. Of course. Like, there's, there's data companies and, and, and highly trained engineers and technologists. When I got there, we weren't using all the tools. You know, right. I, I showed up at Fox and I, I said, do we have a data warehouse? Yeah. Um, my, one of my supervisors or, or colleagues said, what's a data warehouse? No way. And I was like, no yeah. Way. So I was just like, okay. So I called, he's like, you should call our guy in LA that runs our technology team. And I said, do we have one? I was, he's like, yep. I'm like, we do. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, are we using it? And he's like, uh, you know, data's flowing in there, but like nobody's. Wow, no one's tapping so, into it. Wow. Yeah. So like it's, it's become, that was four or five years ago. So that's become, you know, a major push now and, and again mm -hmm. in media you have all these external store research yes so yeah, yeah. we're doing yeah. market research on what the competition doing yeah. brand presence on other you know the nfl is commoditized mm -hmm. it's across five networks mm -hmm. so you can see a brand has a presence elsewhere and we use that external data map it to our internal and see like are we getting our fair share of spend from a brand that has a yeah. cbs so we do yeah. things like that um they do have a chief data officer okay the sports the sports industry where I came from, Madison Square Garden, the Boston Bruins, like sports leagues, you know, your EPL teams over there, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, historically, no, but there's been a massive push in the well, past, yeah, the past, I think, past five years. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, with Billy Bean and, and Moneyball and so on, I think we've seen a massive, massive it, thrust. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that the, yeah. the on-field and on-court, the football, the basketball, the soccer operations teams mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. influence the business folks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's usually the yeah. other round where you get these smart business people to come in and, and like, you know, look at everything from a metric based lens. Um, and sure enough, it was, it was people evaluating, you know, subjective talent on yeah. the field or on the pitch. Um, and 
and using insights to drive team performance that inspired the CEO would be like, geez, we should just, we should do this with our ticket sales. We should yes. do this with, with our with, brand partnerships. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah, the industry's t we're behind, like I, and again, during a pandemic, we're in a tough time. Sure. Like yeah. uh, there's no sports going on, but um, we're, we're 10 to 15 years behind. Wow. Like, it's a sport. It's a sports industry mm -hmm. where the data probably like where an organization like yours mm -hmm. and clients you're working servicing are, are, in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, like, like Amazon, Facebook, Google, yeah. uh, you know, all these behemoths, we can't even see them right now. Like, yeah. we, we, got, we got to go to them for some of their expertise. Oh, of course. Yeah. Or, or lower them yeah. away. But, yeah, so making use of ticket sales data and, and working with vendors and third-party data is a super it's, – it's getting better. It's, it's flowing. Teams are doing it well, especially in the NBA is a, mm -hmm. a kind of mm -hmm. world – a world leader in mm -hmm. that in terms of the mm -hmm. sports world so it's happening um it's just if you've been collecting data for 10 15 years and not doing anything with it yeah it's you you yeah. got to invest in cleaning that up first sure. before you start getting into yeah, yeah. machine learning yeah. and algorithms oh and absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a question around see you know you you came in you you've absolutely seen that there's a a wealth of data but yeah. there's no real uh, drive to use that data. How do you start to align um, your practices within the internal culture? How do you start to build and get people to view that, hey, listen, this pot of data we've got here is a massive yeah. asset. We should be right. leveraging it. Right. How would you drive that? It's a question I get a lot. I mean, I'd be yeah. interested in your, in your feedback too. Like, because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. you, I mean, you're working with, you know, again, I've been, in two industries really, you know, or three kind of related where you probably in your consulting firm have seen it across industry. So yes. I'd be interested in, you know, in your, in sure. your take on it, sure. but I always start with, have you, like this is so simple, but have you automated your reporting? And like, yeah. like do you have that mini, you know, I'll even do like a, like a, a daily, a daily sales kind of financial combination of a financial daily sales report, mm -hmm. but it can be, um, let's say if you're in Tableau or something, it can be 20 tabs or 20 dashboards long. The first five are like your executive dashboards. Like that's your daily newspaper. It's like checking the stock market yeah. when you come in every day yeah. or reading the headlines in the newspaper. Yep. Can those be, can those be semi near real time? Mm -hmm. Can they be live? Can they be accessible? Can they be interactive and can they be intuitive? So that a, an executive can sit down and not have to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, can I want to know how much Ford Automotive is spending across yeah. the sports portfolio? Can I see that? Yeah. How about I just make like that question? Sure, I can. Who anyone can pull and pivot and send that in an e a body of an email or put it in a spreadsheet real quick and send it off. Can that? Can that? All those mundane requests, those repetitive requests that everyone kind of is asking themselves every day. Yeah. Yeah. Can those, can those live somewhere mm -hmm. real time? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's so simple because when I, you know, I started everywhere I've started, you know, the phone could ring depending on the time of the year and the seasonality where you're at. It's like, Hey, I just need a quick check on how this client's doing or how that right. client's spending or Hey, whatever, what was our sales numbers yesterday? You know, like, I mean, such a easy question to answer, but they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, um, can that just can that live somewhere? So that yeah. one, you're yeah. freeing me up to look at the 70th unit in an NFL. Exactly. That's what to I do the really, really insightful yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. I want to. I'll stare at those 
there's days where I would just stare at those, those, that 20 page newspaper. I'll just stare at those reports and I'm, I'm thinking like, what are we missing? Like, what are we not doing? But I think it like starting with reporting is so key because one, it forces you to get the sales organization in line with finance. Like we haven't talked about finance at all, right? Like finance is, is always like, you know, they, they help set the sales goals in the beginning of your fiscal year, setting a budget, setting an expectation of yeah. how much you're going to grow your business. And then the sales mm-hmm. people got to go chase that. So aligning sales with, with finance. And then our team is, is like a mediator in between of providing context to the sales mm-hmm. teams in terms of, yeah, you're seeing the numbers look like that, but here's why the market is softer or stronger than we anticipated during sure. budget season. Sure. So if you can have those parts, those reports aligned so that they're serving multiple parties from the exec to the sales team, to the mm-hmm. finance team, mm-hmm. everyone's looking at what I like to just call like a single source of truth. Yep. Yep. Like that's just the best way to get mm-hmm. everyone on the same page so that the questions, then you'll start seeing a, a second layer of right. questions yeah. that are yeah. more actionable. Like, Hey, yes. I want to, I want to do, I want to approach yeah. this client and yeah. pitch something new to them. Can you help me structure that? How yeah. would that look? Yeah. That's and again, that now we're talking about driving the business versus yeah. just already kind of intuitively knowing what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're all there. We're on the same page. So yeah. I start right there. And again, it's not this isn't mind blowing stuff. It's not rocket science, is it? No, but no. like depending <laughs> on where you are as a company, um, having that level of transparency and you had a great post on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago about like data culture. And I yes. said, like, what does that even mean? Yes. It's like no. culture, culture <laughs> is transparency, yes. information sharing, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, single source of truth, um, you know, holding each other accountable and then having a data driven subculture under that to help drive those decisions. Yeah. If you're yeah. all on the same page as a company and you're transparently sharing these kind of high level reports of how the business is doing and those you know those that 10 page 20 page sales deck report answers a handful of those questions um you can move forward with driving the business forward versus looking behind yeah yeah of course of course um i think that's like i think that solves a lot you know out the gate getting going and having everybody be forward looking. I think that's kind of where I've always started, like get, nail that down mm-hmm. and you'll be mm-hmm. good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good point because that's, I think that's the value that you need to show to those people who keep asking those questions day in, day out. Yeah. And if yeah. you can provide them with something that's tangible enough that answers right. their question, but actually what you said is what comes out of that yeah. is, is the next level of insight because they start to understand what data they have and yes. then they start to yes. get a little bit more curious about what data they could have. Yeah. Now you're and asking me real questions, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the bit which, you know, when, when we work um, with a lot of companies, we always start with those, you know, tell us what those key business questions are. What are you asking yourself every day? Yep. Because, you know, Joe over there is taking, you know, two hours, out of his time just to build one report. And you know, we've got Joe doing 12 reports a day, you know, exactly. So, you know, why not automate? And then we can, we can get Joe to uncover that the real pile of stuff underneath that, which is so valuable, which is where that, that insight and and we can, you know, drive the the, the discussions around um, growth or efficiencies or, but the other thing I tend to do, which, you know, which might take, um, 
sometimes people might take exception to is, is the fact that a lot of companies I find don't have process mapped out. And there's Preach. a fundamental lack of understanding. Taking notes. <laughs> where you, where you yeah. start to uncover process things, which actually yeah. are so inefficient, but aren't supported by data or tech or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. And therefore someone's just doing something for the sake of it. And yeah. you, yeah. you start to uncover those things. And that's where the other bit of value sits. And so right. when I talk about culture, I talk about there's an endemic culture within the, you know, there's something that's established already within that company. Why yeah. am I going to disrupt it in terms of, Hey, build a data culture. Half the people don't even know what a data culture is. In fact, I don't yeah. even know what a data culture is. You know, just said, it's just a culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah right. you know, so, so, but how can I aid that culture? How can I help it? How can I support it to be more efficient yeah. or to add yeah. growth drivers to look at the strategic objectives and really pin down what those, what drives that, you know, what are the process triggers behind yeah. that? You know, you talk about sales and marketing, God, there's, you know, sorry, sales and finance, but there's marketing, there's operations and there's right. HR and there's all those other, and you've just broken down two silos, which would have been between sales and finance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then and it's the, the rest of that, which I, I, you know, we, we love to uncover because that's the bit where you get the aha moments of, Oh my God, I didn't yeah. realize that was happening. And if we yeah. do this, it will save you, you know, I don't know, 500, thousand dollars a year or five hundred thousand pounds a year yeah so i mean i mentioned i mentioned reporting but is that yeah. is do you guys often start with that when you take on well, a new client yeah. or do you do you kind of do your needs analysis and you uncover like god there's just gaps in the process if we well, button that up yeah. then you'll get the data or well, like how we, do you we do a bit of both we do a bit of both yeah. because what we're doing is we're we're, we're starting off uh, you know from that strategic piece yeah. we we want to understand at the same time how business process support uh, uh, how business processes are supported across the, the business. So I'll give you an example. Yeah, um, great. Say something like a customer journey, right? You've got a customer journey that's, that's, that's been drafted that looks end to end from how a customer is external to a company to how they become a customer, how we nurture them and how we, how we retain them throughout that yeah. life cycle. So, you know, you've always going to have customers that are going to be, um, it, you know, companies that are going to be in acquisition mode and they're looking for the customers and they're, they're fielding the, you know, the, the, the bits on ad spend or whatever it might be. And they're yeah. getting that customer into a pipeline, you know, into the usual funnel um, and qualifying that leads, you know, going to the sales team, getting that sales qualified lead, nurturing it, doing the presentations, you know, selling the product. And then you've got the lifestyle, you've got the right. management of, of the back of it. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, we, it, I often ask, so if you have a process like that, if you have a journey map, have you, have you mapped what data and what triggers you need across that? And nine times out of 10, I get no. Right. So if you were able to do that and then you sit down with the executives from, or, or not even just the executives, but say directors of, of, of functions, because yeah. you're mapping against that, that journey, you'll start to see how it bleeds into all the, the, the function heads and then yeah. what questions they're asking. And then right. you build this huge, rich picture and suddenly somebody says, wow, we should have been asking that question a long time ago because actually right. we're not, that trigger doesn't help us to offer the client a new service or right. we're not asking for the right, right level of data from that customer um, yeah. or we're not giving the customer enough data yeah. to make a decision. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's the bit which I believe 
is often left off. And I think that's where you get a process piece because it's a journey map effectively is that process. Yeah. Um, and you get the, the, dis, the, the sort of data piece, but if, you know, in between that you get, well, what decisions am I making? What actions yeah. do I need to take in order yeah. to help that customer either buy or enter the process or qualify us or understand what our product does and therefore it helps feed down that, that funnel and they, right. you know, whoever's making the decision points or, the, or those triggers understands where that data is in which system. Or we don't have that data. I was just going to say yeah. there could be gaps along that journey exactly. where exactly. there's not a, there's not right. a system capturing yes. that. Yeah. So it's like, oh, here comes this customer. All of a sudden they disappear yeah. and then they pop up on the other side because, yeah. oh, yeah. we don't have the technology or, oh, we're not, we're not having the sales or marketing team input that data Correct. into Correct. our CRM or whatever yes. it may be. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you might start seeing stuff like so, that. And, and, yeah, and, can, and, yeah, and I, I, we are, you know, we break it down into first party data, which is, as you said, it could be data in the CRM system. It could be data in your finance system. It could be those objectives or targets or transactional things. Yeah, you know, yeah. typical. Second yeah. party data could be your suppliers, could be your partners, um, yeah. could be your distributors. You know, because yeah. they've got data and you might, you might give yeah. them data, they may give right. you data back. And the yeah. third party is all that externalized data, you know, the Nielsen, the market kind of data or the... the Everything the, in the media world that yeah, you're... Exactly, that, with. Yeah. Yeah, which you work with or yeah. whether it's Experian data because you're going down to a, a customer level, you might be understanding profiles, you know, uh, on, an yeah. aggregate, on an aggregated basis of a pool of people around yeah. the country. So it, there's tons of things. But essentially, what you do is you map out all of those and you start to see, as you just said, where the gaps are, um, yeah. what you need, what systems yeah. you might need to build in, right. what gaps right. there are in the process. And therefore, what you're doing is you're seeing rather, uh, you know, a holistic view rather than this sort of siloed view that we typically yep. tend to see. Yep. And that roadmap is um, built on that value that you're offering because you've got all those business questions. You know exactly yeah. what drives it. And you can say right. to the, the execs, we've got these specific gaps. So that means what you thought were your priorities are actually not your priorities because yeah. we don't have that data yet, but right. we, we can repackage it into this mode of delivery. And we can, and actually when you have those, right. when you do that, that's not yeah. a 12 month process. That could right. be, you know, right. a couple of weeks just doing that. Uh, but, yep. but wow, it uncovers huge amounts of insight. Yeah. And what's missing. And that's, that's funny because, again, working with the third-party data is something where, you know, for, for me, when I'm trying to make sense of everything to support our sales team, and we have all the interim data, but they have to go to their clients still. And, again, if I'm talking, you know, watching a sports game live and it's something where we're competing with other networks, mm -hmm. it's like our consumer insights team, they're just bending the same data that NBC and CBS have. Right. Because, right? like – it, like yeah. if I'm, if I'm watching football on Fox, I'm also watching on CBS, you know, like, um, or like the big game on NBC at 8 PM in prime time on Sunday night. So our consumers insights team might look, make our sales team look the most prepared and they might have the most insight. Like we have, like we've prepared ourselves really well using that external data, getting little nuggets about who our viewers are, their demographics, their purchase behavior, all that stuff. And then still at the end, the client goes, okay, so what are you offering me? And right. what, how much do I have to pay? And what's mm -hmm. the structure of the deal? And so if a, if a salesperson comes to me and is like, hey, consumer insights, where I've worked with consumer insights, 
and said, we, we found this about our customer journeys and those who view our product. And there's super, like, there's a lot of value in these assets. Well, then I have to go look, well, do we sell those assets? In the, are they already in high demand? If we're already selling them, then this is just icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. If it's like, oh, hey, we're hitting the same demographic that we didn't know about on our cable network, Fox Sports 1, that we hit in the NFL, and it's sold out um, not at a very you know, high threshold. I was like, now we, now we have something where, where I can go and, and we, can e we can maybe push the envelope at scale with our team, bringing mm -hmm. that to the market. But finding that along the journey and having access to that and to marry it with your internal data yes, yeah. is like, you know, sometimes even me, like I want all the data, just give me it all at my fingertips <laughs> and let me mind. But even then it's like, yeah, yeah. You, you, you still need the dedicated folks on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, for that stuff on your consumer because yeah, yeah. I'm looking at inventory and pricing. Yes. And all, and yeah, reporting. and it's a different way, but yes. But if they can provide me those nuggets or show me where they're publishing those nuggets, hopefully my me and my teams are good enough at looking at that yeah. to then say, all right, cool, I can turn this into, along with the sales team and, and their eloquent pitches, mm -hmm. I can turn this into something that um, that we communicate to our, to our base of clients and, and, sure. and really structure deals of value to who we're trying to yeah. you know, accommodate. Yeah. So yeah, I like, I like that, that customer journey because you can find a lot of gaps in that yeah. process yeah. Um, depending on your technology mm -hmm. setup and, mm -hmm. and just how you're oh. doing people and communication. Yeah. Right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, on that, as I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about teams and yeah. how, you know, What's the most important thing for you when building data teams, when building a data organization? And, and when, you know, wh where do you start? What, what's the focus when you, when you come in? And, and, you know, give me the yeah. example of where you've been uh, you yeah. know, at Fox. And, and yeah. what were the first things that you did instinctively in terms of building or evaluating or understanding what teams you needed? Right. I, you know, I, I've seen this go two ways. It's like, one, the company invests in all these systems with data warehouse, data lake, mm. um, C a CRM system, um, you know, with comprehensive features and cool little, you know, a lot of fields to track, but then they don't have anybody sitting there driving it. So it just yeah. kind of sits there again, the Fox example where, you know, somebody said, what's, we have a data warehouse, is anyone using it? So even if you're collecting that data and nobody's sitting there to drive that car, um, Great. Like yeah. eventually it would be a value when somebody comes, but then it will take them a lot of time to catch mm. up and mm. learn everything mm. you've been feeding into that system. Mm. So I always start mm. with the people. Yeah. Um, and you know, more, more of your internal MBA consultant types has what worked for me. And, um, even though, you know, MBAs might be a little overpriced this day sure. and age, but sure. yeah, like, you know, but you know, having that, just the ability to handle uh, a massive set of data set and distill it down right. and tell a story with it. Okay. I think, okay. I think that's where I like to start setting up an organization. You have people mm -hmm. that can do it. Maybe like, you know, if you're a startup and you don't have a transactional system, you're just logging everything on spreadsheets, like organizing that spreadsheet will be your viable and the best way to do it. So like you should be really good at organizing mm -hmm. that. And we're mm -hmm. talking super manual, outdated stone age stuff, but you want to you want to organize that stuff and you want to have a person that can do it yeah. so that in the days that you invest into systems and technology, you can upload all that stuff yeah. and, you know, yeah. hand it off and, 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 you know, make it. So I like to start with the people that can extract, visualize, 
uh, critically think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then go into the second layer of, all right, how do we have a system that can automate what we're sure. doing sure. and then have, and again, I, you know, I saw a lot of your, your commenters on your post when you, when you were promoting the podcast, like people were talking about data governance, data security. And mm -hmm. I was like, not, that's, Yes, we need like, yes, yeah, yeah. we need that, yeah. but like not my field, but like yeah. invest in the systems and then the people that control that, then me and him talk about another, like yet another silo or partnership. It's like that technology, that backend team, you really need to make them understand and translate mm -hmm. on behalf of mm -hmm. the sales team, maybe even the mm -hmm. finance team. Mm -hmm. Now you start getting like a, almost like a wheel with spokes, right? Yeah. Versus yeah. silos. Yeah. You get this thing working together. So I like to start with people that can just tell stories. Maybe you can code, maybe you can do some cool scripting. Um, but really just like, can you take a massive data summarize it into key KPIs mm -hmm. that keep talking about yeah. Yeah. to kind of find those overlaying trends and be like, all right, this there's super I've proven value in looking at the business this way. It's just super inefficient for me yeah. to spend the yeah. manual effort. So then invest in the technology teams first. Mm -hmm. I like to mm -hmm. go that way versus, Hey, just buy the systems. We'll find the people to drive it later. Sure. Maybe, maybe yeah. the data is not going in clean. Maybe it's, yeah. um, you're not tracking the right KPIs. Maybe you don't have all the right fields in there. Yeah. That you, like yeah. I like to start with the people that kind of know how to strategically look at a business, ask those right questions that we keep talking about. Like yeah, sure. The right questions. Sure. And then, and then overlay all the technology. On. Yeah. That's how it's that's, working. That's cool. Me. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But, if, again, like your no, your clients or or your you know investment banking. I know you were in a little bit. Yeah. So, so I I think there's 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 a couple of options. Yeah. I, I I love the fact that what you're doing is, you know, um, is asking people to work in a way that's they're being a translator. They're being the, the yeah. people who can sit from a. a, a an understanding of what the business does, what's the business trying to achieve to right. being able to translate a, as you, you know, a massive data set or even a small data yeah. set, but actually yep. finding that and where the, where, how does it marry up with what the business is trying to do? And I think maybe that's why, you know, the whole, you know, for, for you, the MBA um, team yeah. structure starts because they see right across from, you know, the, the business strategy, you know, yep. what's, what are the drivers there? What do, what, where does yep. the business want to get to in three to five years or even longer than that? But equally, yep. you know, what can I do to support that? And through this thing called data, but how do I then translate that into business speak, which I right. find, um, you know, and I, it's funny, you, 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 you have that point around data governance, a lot of data governance people, um, and then no slight on them. It's, it's a big, massive area. You know, yep, we have to do a lot of data governance projects. Because, 100%. you know, at the end of the day, um, if your data quality is not good and, and the controls and the procedures aren't in place. But what garbage I find, in, garbage out, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, I, yeah. what I find is that there's, there's a, there's a that the, the data strategy piece needs to be driven from what that business is attempting to achieve. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's the starting point. So I really love what you're, what you're saying in terms of, you know, we want to get the translation effect first. Yeah. We want to build yeah. that value and then yeah. maybe, you know, scale in a way that will bring in maybe, you know, other teams who are going right. to be servicing right. that data, making sure it's of good quality because yeah. the wider you go and, and I'm assuming that, you know, once these translators become more embedded in the business, 
Yeah. And to me, they're like more business partners or someone who's going out and they're saying, hey, did you know that we could increase your sales by X by looking at this because we've tried that over here? And, right. you know, we're going to, we've already seen the data and we can mm -hmm. drive your sales or we can, we can look at new regions or we can understand yep. which clients are, are not are, are going to churn or whatever it might be. That's but right. that's what the sales teams and, you know, they want to hear. They don't want to hear, yeah. oh, you're, the data quality that you have is terrible. I don't care. They don't Tell care, me, man. You know? Sometimes, by yeah. the way, and I've worked with our, again, I worked with our engineers yeah. on building out our data warehouse and automating a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of times, like guys or girls, I just want all the data, man. Like sometimes I, I don't even, like I don't want to sit in that war room and it's part of it. Like sometimes yeah. you got to go through and audit no, you, everything. You have to, you have to, yeah. But yeah. sometimes I'd be like, look, I, I just I just want to be able to see this in some interface visualization dashboard extractable from my system. I just want it. I don't, I, I don't need you to manipulate it. I just need it fed in there so I can do it and, and then look at it in various yeah. ways. So. And, and I think that's the bit which, which often becomes the, oh, they just want all the data. But I think what, what, what a lot of people will do with that. To start. Is, yes, to start, to start. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. There's a, I've seen the flip side where somebody says, just give me all that data. And what do they do with it? They download it onto an Excel spreadsheet. And they, they combine it with another Excel spreadsheet. And it's, right. it, you know, you've lost the actual efficacy of that data. Um, right. Whereas I can see what you're doing is saying, give it to me because I've got all these hypotheses going on. And yeah. I need to make sure For that I can Hypotheses them. from the CEO or yeah, whoever. Yeah. They're tasking yeah. me with looking at it, right? That's so it. Either way. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's, that's the bit which I think I like because what you're doing is connecting with what the CEO's values and drivers are. Yeah. And then pinning uh, the underpinning that with the data that drives the decision making or or what levers that they've got to pull, and therefore that is absolutely from a sales perspective. What is it being, you know, what what is right. being done to drive that? And of course, yeah. it's from marketing, and of course, it's from operations, and of course, sure. it's from HR and all the other departments that the That's CEO right. needs to make sure is driving That's that right. business forward. But That's right. we, you know, and I I think that's you know to bring in translators because i think translators has always been something that's thought about too late I agree. and i agree you know that translation effect becomes um you know i i often talk about the level of um insights that a business needs but in the sense yeah. that you know what what people do is they'll just create the dashboard for the sake of it because somebody yep. said they wanted a pie chart or whatever. Yep. And that sits, that sits around the business. Nobody uses it. And suddenly you've got 12 or 13 of those things. And yep. I always call it the dashboard graveyard because, you know, they, they, they just go into the graveyard, rest in peace, never used again. Um, but really, they, those Ooh, translators yep. weren't there to actually work out yeah. what the business needed, what the, yeah. why they wanted to make that, why they wanted that bit of data. What's yep. the reason you need it? And that's, right. that's where I find a lot of people ask me, so, you know, yeah. we built that for, 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 for so-and-so and they don't use that. I said, well, did you ask them what they need to do? What, why they yeah. need to use that data? Yeah. Oh, well, no, they want, we just yeah. designed the dashboard for, yeah. so I think that translation Dude, effect a, is and actually. It's, it's a lot of, and you've got to put in the work to get people to adopt that yeah. stuff. So yeah. like when, yeah. I, when I'm working with the engineers and like, hey, here's a report that I do. It's manual. It's a combination of extracts and downloads and pivots and maybe a spreadsheet. I want to automate it. I want to make it live. 
sometimes they just send me back like a canned report and I can't like fill, I can't fill. I'm like, guys, no, like I just need to make sure that everything I use to create here is extractable in call it again, Tableau is kind of your visualization tool. Like, so something like that or click sense, whatever, um, give give me that sitting on top of everything you've cleansed i'm going to build the report because because i've you don't even you haven't ever had a conversation with their sales team you don't know what they're looking at so let me tell that story and then like it's so funny you said the the graveyard of dashboards because when we so again at, at fox we had the data warehouse that was discovered and then started to be utilized and like it we went all in as a company on it and then everyone starts like, Oh, cool. I can publish dashboards. And then you see this huge oh, library. Yeah. Slot. So the thing I took pride in is like, all right, I, I did my 10 to 20 page, like top line report with like further insights in the, in the latter half of the report. Then I went right to the sales leaders and I sat with them every day for like three weeks of like, stop calling me when you have this question. Cause they would call me. I was like, yeah. I just walked you through this yesterday. So like I'd walk them through, get them really efficient in whatever platform you have and like wherever you can go and get them. And then slowly you'd see our graveyard of like, oh, this one's got 10 views, 15 views. And mine had 2000 views over uh, by a lot of different constituents from like the people running the sales organization to my bosses, to my direct reports, looking at like inventory reports because they're fulfilling orders and looking Mm -hmm. at pricing. Mm -hmm. Like now they're using that to like drive their decisions of who they got to go chase Mm -hmm. um, to, to fill in the last few, you know, commercials we have to sell for a major league baseball playoff game. Yeah. They're using these reports real time, refreshing them. Um, so yeah, just putting that into like the canned report and like, here it is just, it, it doesn't work it doesn't that work. way. Like yeah, yeah. you gotta, you gotta build it. It's gotta be flexible. Your reporting needs could change week to week. Yeah. Like, Hey, we, now that you're getting those next level of next level of questions that are more insightful, you can then change report to incorporate that piece mm, of information mm, and, mm. and everyone's continuously gets smarter. And then you have to continuously sit with them and train them and say, keep going to this source. Yeah. If we're all looking at this source, even if it's flawed, we're all looking at it the same way. And if, if finance finds a problem with the numbers, they're not quite following our fiscal rules or how we recognize mm-hmm. the revenue. Mm-hmm. We'll tackle that later. Yeah. But yeah. If we're all looking at it the same way, then we're all encountering the same problems and we're very consistent in how we approach our business problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think we're getting close to the, the, the end of it. Um, cool. But, uh, you know, I, we've talked a lot from, you know, how you uh, build um, confidence into sales teams uh, yeah. by using data. And we, we've touched on culture um, yeah. and we, we've touched on um uh, well, very loosely touched on the design or understanding, but the translator sure. effect, which is important. Um, yeah, right. What are the things that you, you, you from your experience, um, whether that be at Fox or other places, yeah. um, but in the sports and, sports and media, where do you think they should go next? What are the things that they should start to think about in terms of data and analytics and, and the optimization of how they use that across their business? What are those yeah. nuggets that you could, you know, in part, I, I think, especially in the, in the media space, and it's not sports specific, it's just mm. like media in general, like yeah. the content, the content space mm-hmm. is becoming so fragmented. Right. Right. So every, every desire and wish you have to consume content that entertains or educates you today 
there's there's a niche for it, man. Like, look, you got this podcast. Yeah. Um, there's like again, there's 30 million podcast episodes out there, right? So there's there's ones on stand-up comedy and hip-hop and rap music and uh, business and uh, you know the financial markets. You have live sports across five, ten different networks. You have all these streaming services. So the fragmentation of customers to get their attention. Yeah. Like I yeah. think I think across sports media, whatever it is, even just your business, your small like getting the attention of somebody mm-hmm. and then holding mm-hmm. it and keeping yeah. it yeah. is um is like that's where that's where it is. And it's again, we kind of talked about loosely about some topics we covered today, like the, the dynamic between the cost of customer acquisition and the cost of growing your current customers. Mm-hmm. I think that really mm-hmm. needs to be prioritized right now mm-hmm. because it's so easy to, even if you go viral or your business is really hot for a minute, all it takes is just another little segment or another fragment of a market that catches somebody else's attention and boom, like they yeah. divert and you can yeah. lose them. Yeah. So I think upselling, I think offering more products, more free value, again, like your consulting firm, like now you'll have this as an educational podcast mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. that you do. Like it's, mm-hmm. you don't have to monetize your podcast. It's no. just like a marketing, no. marketing thing. Right. Yeah. So it's like, no. I think providing edu- like value to people, um, added value to what you're already doing is kind of giving it that brand stickiness. Right. It's like, I come and I stay and yeah. I'm committed yeah. to you. And now you can use them as your test market mm-hmm. for new ideas and products. Mm-hmm. And not that you're ignoring new customer acquisition, but it's more expensive and it's harder to yes. do. Yeah. So, so you, it's like once yeah. once you get them in the door and then what I've been finding, and I can, you know, maybe afterwards, if you're going to do comments and questions when we release this, I can cite some of the, like the things that I've looked at market research, but it's like, those super users or those power users or those super loyal customers, they, they become your marketing arm. Yeah. Like, Oh, I heard this podcast. Hey, Samir, you should check it out. I know you'd be interested in it. And you trust me just as Matt, like referring you to that versus you trying to like blast this out into the, the, you know, the atmosphere Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. 30 million podcast episodes. It's like, you rely on that small network of people that trust you and those super users that are really loyal to you. I think you get more out of your investment dollar. This is a hypothesis, and I think it's playing out for for sure. Um, versus wasting your marketing ROI dollars at like going out and trying to just grow your base so rapidly. Yeah, it might yeah. depend on where you are. No, no, no. If you're just getting a startup business, you got to acquire but, new customers. But, but, but I, think I, that's, I, I yeah, I, I, and I think it's that trade-off. It's always that trade-off between. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen that effect in many companies. You know, in, from right. sales and marketing and. And the, the sort of acquisition process, and how do we keep those customers? And I think you know, how do we right. how do we refer to them? How do we understand right. what their needs are and build and their behaviours and profiles? And yeah. you know, nine times out of ten, many times, there isn't enough understanding around that base, and they will leave. Yeah. You know, they go yeah. because you're not they speaking will. to them. The messaging is not right. You can't they're take them for granted, right? Yeah, yeah. Your brand is not. Uh, gelling with them as it used to once, you know, or um, products have changed that really don't, you know, so, so from my perspective, the data angle um, is able to uncover a lot of that where the signals are that they're telling you what's happening with this product and why isn't it selling in this demographics anymore because they don't need it any longer. 
So how do we then yeah. tap into that and understand who they are and what they yeah. want? And you yeah. know, loads of many times we've we've worked with marketing organisations where, yeah. to your point, with the spray and pray, you know, which is yeah. let's just blanket yeah. cover all of the yeah. people in in a marketing yeah. effect. But yeah. actually, if you narrow it down, if you segment, if you really understand what they want, yeah. Um, yeah. you will make more in terms of what you want to get out of whatever that, that, that objective is for you, that goal, right. then right. you will go into a wider pool. And I think it's, I think slowly, I think you're right, slowly we're seeing that, but it's yeah. still, that message is still taking time. I mean, we've got, you know, top marketers, people like Gary Vee and so on, talk about all the time, know, your, know, know who you're pitching to, know the data around those I, people, uncover yep. what their needs are and their behaviors and profiles. Um, yep. You know, one, one, one company we're working with, the, 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 one of the board members has just said, well, why, you know, how, how is it that we're still selling this product when it's, when it's lost its value? We think it's lost its value. Why are people still buying it? You yeah. know, so it's a, it's a question that they don't, they know that people are still buying it. It's great, but right. actually they're asking the question, this is an old product, but why, why is it still being purchased? Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're trying to uncover something which they really don't, you know, understand in the, yep. and that's the bit which I think data and psychology and I mean, you know, that, that's another whole podcast. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the, the game theory stuff, yeah. Of, yeah. Of putting two options in the window and, and, and letting right. people, uh, but you know, you gotta, you gotta structure that yeah. somewhat yeah. scientifically, even though it yes. might be a little bit of an art of, all right, I'm giving you three options as a consumer to come yeah. into my, into my ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one's more expensive and a little more high value. This one's a little cheaper and mm -hmm. just gets you access, like whatever mm -hmm. it may be, putting those in the and making them choose is definitely a little more, um, you know, you're restricting yourself because you're, yeah. giving the, you're giving them those, those options. But sure. if you overwhelm them with choice, they might not even no. choose to play the game. Yeah. So, and I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think, you know, that's what data can really do. That can drive correct. those, exactly. that understanding of where those, where you need to chop and change with that customer base and, and maybe build a new product or build a new yep. service that, you know, is going to help yep. them do X or Y. So I think, yeah. you know, that, that's, and, and those are great points, by the way, really great points around, you know, honing in and, and uncovering that pure right. segment of, you know, that you need and to. That's yeah. And that's where that third party data and like the macro market, yeah. you know, yeah. working with your biz dev and corp devs and, you know, your, your investment banker types mm. internally mm. on acquiring new assets or whatever, yeah. um, you know, yet another silo that for another day, but uh, that's another group that we would work with. Like what's working internally? How does that marry with what's going on and um, out changing in the environment? Market. Yeah. And then how do we, can we, can we take that sure. process and scale inside or can we already use what we have and, and compete with what's going on? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. Great. Matt Sinikowski, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you. It's been <laughs> right, a pleasure. Man. Rookie debut on the I data strategy speak, podcast. <laughs> I could speak all night, but you know, for another, for another time, but no, thank you so much. Really great. All insights. right. It was great having me. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye.